I'm Troy Washington from KTBS3 and we welcome you to the Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders, letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools in our community. We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. You know firsthand the beauty of the American dream. You've dedicated yourself and your passion to education for the past 25 years. You're well known as a doctor, but that isn't your only passion. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I've, I was taught by my parents that education is, creates opportunity, and I've found that to be true. It's been the same for my children, and I think it'll be the same for my grandchildren. I believe in the American dream idea, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, the, um, in my healthcare field, I learned a lot about you know, how to work uh, with people uh, on areas of improvement, and basically I take what I learned in medical school and what I've learned uh, in work and healthcare to try to apply that to this idea of school improvement in our community. I don't think there's anything more important for us to do uh, about our economy, about the opportunity for our children, um, about the possibilities of improvement. All that is uh, makes, I think, the idea of working in school improvement something that uh, I really do embrace. Um, today we got a great uh, uh, great time uh, speaking with our, our friend Dr. Cade Bromley. Um, uh, Cade, uh, you've been successful wherever you've gone. Uh, you've done it successful in DeSoto School Superintendent. Is that a, a small rural district? You've been success, successful in the Jefferson School District, which is the largest school district in our state. It's suburban and urban. So you've learned a lot uh, about how we can improve schools in our community. And we're looking forward today to kind of uh, picking your brain uh, about uh, what's going on in, in education today in our state and what you see over the years that you've learned, uh, we can apply uh, and make things better for more, more of our kids. This is gonna be uh, a great uh, opportunity, uh, Troy, and uh, uh, we're uh, really looking forward uh, to talking about that today. Um, I uh, wanna give you a little time to, to, to say a little bit about some of what you think are the, the positive things that are happening uh, in our state. Uh, and uh, uh, and then some of the maybe key challenges, and then let's talk about those things. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, Troy, thanks for hosting, uh, and thanks to KTBS for highlighting some of the uh, challenges uh, and and also successes in school systems locally and 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 throughout the state as well. And Dr. Roseman, appreciate your your continued push uh, and belief that we can all be better. Uh, in, in terms of outcomes for kids, and, and you didn't just start this yesterday. You know, you, you have worked on this for um, many decades. <laughs> I know that probably sounds odd <laughs> to hear, uh, but you have, and uh, I just thank you for that. So I'm excited to be here today and, and talk about uh, some of the issues. Let me um, just get right in and talk a little bit about a big issue uh, on the national level as well as the state level as well. Uh, a lot of conversation in the terms of uh, school improvement is the idea of school choice uh, and that can be all kinds of different things but conceptually the idea is to give parents families 
choice uh, in education and in what ways we can do that. And I know our state has been sort of a leader uh, in, in that regard. I think, in fact, you know, here in Northwest Louisiana, there's been a lot of leadership in terms of school choice. Can you talk a little bit about school choice, how you, how you see it, what you think about it, and, you know, how we can make it better in our state? Yeah, well, I believe that um, school choice expands opportunities for kids. Um, and I think that by giving parents, um, well, not really giving them, they, they, they already have um, the power to make decisions on the in the best interest of their kids, but further empowering that, um, children are better off. And so one of the things where we are trying to push is elevating this conversation around families having options for the modality of education for their kid. And, and look, I think overwhelmingly, uh, families in the state of Louisiana, just like my family, will, will, will choose the, the local school in their neighborhood. They, they know the teachers there, they know the leaders, they meet each other in the grocery store, they go to Sunday school together. That's overwhelmingly what's going to happen. But, but there also needs to be removal of barriers that, that prevent people from being able to exercise other options. And at the same time, a bench of other options need to be developed. And so whether that's our public charter schools, whether that's non-public schools, whether that's an evolving conversation around learning pods, um, scholarships or vouchers to non-public schools, or even the future which might look like education savings accounts. I think we need to explore every option um, that gives families the opportunity to be in control of uh, where their child attends school and how, and how their child attends school. Let me ask you about a couple of those because they are, they've been in the news as we've gone through the legislature. Uh, specifically, the education savings account became uh, a lot of conversation uh, in Baton Rouge about that. What is an education savings account and how does that apply as it relates to school choice? Well, I'm going to simplify this uh, to a great extent. Uh, so people who are really in the weeds about it are, will, will, will criticize me for oversimplification. <laughs> um, but, but basically you think about right now, um, a, a child goes to school in a traditional public school per se, and the local and, and state and federal dollars that are associated with that child follows the child to that school for all the services that they receive. Um, and, and school is costly, so those dollars are necessary. Um, but under an educational savings account, what happens is those dollars are essentially uh, placed in a, you can think of a debit card. And so the parent then basically gets a, again, simplified, a debit card, and they're able to go potentially online to a, a site maybe that we build as a state, and they're able to select services. I'd like tutoring here. I'd like to, to go to this private school. I'd like to homeschool and use this service. Or I'd like to go to the traditional public school. And so they get to determine where those dollars go that are generated for that child. Um, multiple states have already passed legislation uh, such as ESAs. Um, there were multiple bills filed in the Louisiana legislature last session for ESAs. Two of them ended up making it to the governor's desk. Um, and, and, and both of them were ultimately vetoed by the governor. So he, he did not sign uh, any of those uh, ESA bills. Um, and I've had conversations with him ar around that. Um, he knows that I am a, a school choice proponent. Um, but I, I do think moving forward, you will, you will see more opportunity for school choice for families so that they are truly in the driver's seat of where the resources generated uh, for their child are going. 
Let's talk a little bit about learning pods. And uh, that was something that kind of came up as a result of COVID, I think more, or expanded in the term of COVID. Do you see a place for learning pods um, um, uh, in uh, education in our state? I think so. I mean, I think it's further personalization. Um, what happened during COVID is, you know, some families said, you know, I, I really like the idea of, of, of my kid going to school three days a week and then uh, homeschooling two days a week. Or maybe it works best for our family if, if, they, if they have virtual instruction a day a week. And so what, what Learning Pods, when Learning Pods developed, it was like an organic uh, development where moms and dads who happen to be off work or, or, or stay-at-home mom for the day said, look, I have my kid here and we're doing virtual school, drop your kid off too and we'll have mini school here. And, and so what we were able to do over the course of the last year is, is codify that into law that now enables school systems, whether traditional public or public charter, to be able to have these learning pods exist and connect back to one of their schools. So they can still get the supports of the school, but potentially uh, they have opportunities at, at home or in other um, locations throughout the community to have many schools. Yeah. All these interesting uh, choices uh, that I think we'll explore over the next couple of years, I think, in, in our state. Um, let me uh, uh, ask you a little bit about the term, what I call character education. I don't even know now what we call it, but it's always been a thought of mine that one of the major things that school does is allow people to learn the values of a society. Uh, what, what about character education or, or whatever values education, whatever, what, what, what's the place of that and how do you see that in this world where, you know, we're worried about the academics, we're worried about the math, we're worried about the reading uh, uh, and, uh, and looking at the whole kid. Yeah, well, for, for one, we know coming out of COVID that we, we have to attend to the well-being of every child. We have to make sure they're well. Um, and they're taken care of, or else it, it, it's hard to it's hard for a kid to focus on algebra if, if they're hungry, or if they're concerned uh, emotionally about some issue that they're facing or some trauma. So we have to make sure that kids have access to counselors and social workers. We just do. Um, in terms of character education, I think it's more around um, expectations for the school and the school community. Um, and embedding those into, into every uh, aspect of schooling. So, at, for instance, at this school, we believe this thing or we believe that thing. And so throughout the day, um, you have references to that belief system that that school has adopted. And so I don't know necessarily that you have to spend 20 minutes with the kid every day drilling into them, you know, be honest, have integrity. But I, I think it's more important that the school have a culture that constantly um, illustrates that and illuminates that and why that's important. You know, that's interesting, Troy, because we had a, a, a principal here the other day uh, talking about um, their school, and they talked a lot about these sound bites, these sound bites that they, they use in the school to get everybody together uh, around those issues. And I think that's the same thing embedded in their school yeah. okay uh, are these issues of um, integrity, integrity and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's all part uh, of that 
Okay. And I was going to say, I think that that just builds, like you were talking about, just the expectation of excellence. Yeah. So you know that it's a part of your community. It's a part of your school um, thread or fabric, if mm -hmm. you, you will. Well, it's important for school safety, too. I mean, school safety we haven't talked about yet, but yeah. it, it is foremost responsibility of all educators to keep kids safe. Um, and we know some of the recent events that have happened across the country where, where safety has come into question. Uh, and so I think we have to do a couple of things. You know, I think we have to, one, we have to create cultures that we just talked about, cultures at our school where if kids see something that doesn't sound right, uh, if they see an online post, that there's a, there's a culture where they're able to tell an adult, uh, hey, something doesn't look right. I saw this and it doesn't feel right. Um, there was an FBI study and it, it showed that um, over 70% of school shootings, someone knew about it and didn't say something. So we have to create that culture. You know, we have to harden the perimeters of our buildings. We can't be soft targets. We need access control, funnel people into one location where that can be monitored and keep the other doors closed. I, I know that's not popular to hear, but I think it's important. Um, access to counselors and social workers and then having law enforcement and school officials and mental health trained together continuously. Um, those are things that I think we also need to be doing um, to make sure that we are as safe as we can possibly be uh, in our schools. And are those individual school district plans uh, or is that something that is statewide? Yeah, I, I think there's a role for both. So for instance, we just held this summer the first ever uh, Louisiana uh, School Safety uh, Conference. And so we had nearly a thousand individuals from across the state, whether it was educational leaders, law enforcement leaders, fire, um, uh, mental health individuals, professionals, all come together and train together. And so the, like the point of that is, we have the platform to bring people together, but now you've got to go back locally and make sure that you're continuously connected locally on the things that matter. You know, a lot of that, when we, we listen to it, a lot of it started in some bullying sometimes, some school bullying. And we talk a lot about that, and it, it, it's different than the bullying I remember when I was in school, uh, because the bullying keeps going all day and all night long on social media. Uh, what can we do yeah. uh, uh, about that? Uh, what should we do? Yeah, you talked a little bit about speaking up when it comes to uh, safety. But that's the same thing. And you had an interesting perspective on uh, standing up for other people. Yeah, we. Um, I was. I was saying that uh, at one point, the most humbling experience in my life was that of being uh, uh, teaching middle school and Sunday school. And the one thing that I taught for that whole year was loyalty to the absent, and tried to teach middle schoolers that when they see somebody being attacked, okay, verbally or whatever way, that they stand up. And if they stand up, it stops. Mm -hmm. I wonder about loyalty to the absent and teaching that uh, in our twos, or is it too late? I mean, well, the, the, the caveat that exists today that didn't, un didn't exist for us or exist for most of the audience is the, the virtual component. So, it, you know, sometimes we'll see a video that'll go viral of a school fight or something like this, right. and everyone says, oh, that's awful, and truly it is awful. Um, the, those, those fights have existed for a long time, um, but now what's prompting them many times is something that happens at night on a social media post 
or an electronic conversation that that then leads to a fight the next day at school. And so I, I recall being a system level superintendent in the, the largest school system in the state and I noticed we had this trend of the, the, the altercations between kids were happening at like 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I said, well, wh wh why are all, like, are they even awake? Like, why are they fighting <laughs> in the morning? They um, went to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But then we quickly learned it's, it's all about social media posting over the evenings and, and, and the threats they had made to each other. And so then they had to make good on the threats when they got there or else they looked weak to their friends. Right. And so, I, I mean, I think that there's a, there is a challenge that we have to face not just in education, but in society as a whole of, of, of how are we monitoring or how are we um, taking into account what's happening on social media in the lives of our kids and their screen time. Well, that explains how when you look at some of those videos, it's like it erupts. Like yeah. Somebody walks and then they attack somebody and there's no build up to it. Yeah. You wonder why that is. It must be that whatever they had going was going on in social media before they ever got to school. Yeah. And, and I'm like you. I mean, I, I think we have a responsibility for, for looking out for those who need support. Uh, and and look, we have good, we have great kids in our schools, and we have great parents, and we have great teachers. And these issues that we're talking about are isolated more than anything else. They just they they have an uh, outsized voice because of viral posting and all these things. And it's good for news clicks. No offense, Troy, uh, but in the in the day to day world, that that's not what's happening universally in in schools across the state of Louisiana. Yeah, I was going to say they were starting these fights at seven thirty a.m. because they skipped breakfast. <laughs> That's yeah. why they were grumpy. That's it. <laughs> and do you see um, teachers having a role in kind of calming all this down? Um, uh, and and I guess on top of that uh, question is about about great teachers and how great teachers and their impact upon schools and students. And you know, how do we get more great teachers? What how, how do you see that happening as it relates to uh, one of your key aspects of what you've yeah. uh, talked about along? Well, look, I mean, parent, guardian, that's, that's number one. That is the number one influence for a child. I think we can probably all agree to that. And, and right behind that's a teacher. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about literacy programs and career development and all the great things that we want to do or are doing, but it, it doesn't really matter if if one, you don't have a bus driver to get a kid to school, uh, or two, there's not a teacher when the kid gets there. Yeah. And so we, we've got to make sure in local school systems that we are directing resources appropriately to make sure we're doing whatever it takes so that our kids can get to school and that they have a teacher when they get there. Uh, and, and, and the rest is extra. You know, yeah. we, we, have to, we have to attend to that base level. And so then I have a responsibility at, at the state level to look at what policy decisions are restricting access for people to come into the profession or, or what policy decisions are prompting people to leave the profession. And so I think that we truly have to hear out teachers and listen to teachers and, and better understand what are the things happening that are prompting teachers to leave the profession or prompting teachers to tell kids, don't go be a teacher. Because you, you can recall growing up, there were probably families of teachers uh, and you see less and less of that today. Um, but but we have to, and I've launched a teacher advisory council at the state level, but we have to listen to the teachers. I suspect you'll hear paperwork, bureaucracy, um, discipline, uh, some will even say pay. Um, and we have to do a better job of attending to all those things. Yeah, we did actually uh, 
survey, uh, nearly a thousand teachers in Caddo Parish at one point to ask them that question, you know, what is it that's, uh, it is paperwork, it is I don't get support from the principal. Very little of it was pay. So I, I think those are the attendant issues, you know, that, that people are going to need to deal with. You don't think about, but they're huge issues. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here because Dr. Rosen, he's often said that you never forget your favorite teacher. So who was your favorite oh teacher? Oh, my God. You know I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know I can't answer that question. I, look, I, I can tell you that, that I had um, experiences with, with great teachers. Um, I also, frankly, had experiences with some people that, that weren't so great. But I think part of growing up, is thinking, I want to be like that person a little bit. And I, I don't know that I want to be exactly the way that this person handled <laughs> yeah. this situation. So you just evolve you based on experience. Good and yeah, bad. That's right. That's right. Let's, uh, let me ask you to just share uh, in closing, really, uh, uh, thoughts for parents, okay? And then after we talk about that a little bit, some thoughts for the community, for yeah. us, okay? Thoughts for parents. Um, I, for for both parents and community, I think my answer is going to be the same. Okay. Um, it's it's and it's biased, but it's my belief, and it's you have me here to talk about these issues, so I'm going to give it. E education is local, um, and schools are going to be better when they have parents there at the school and community members there at the school being engaged. Not just not just questioning everything, but they should do that too. But also, how can I provide levels of support? How can I help my kid? What programs are you running that I can offer to support? Um, and, I, and I think the same is true for community members at, at, at schools, but also at, at school board meetings and in principal's offices and allowing those teachers and principals to come to your events and talk about the things that are happening at their school. We need a quality education system. Our, our education system doesn't simply uh, sustain our republic. It should improve upon our republic every day. Yeah. Um, and, and we're more likely to do that by, by having involvement locally with parents and community members that don't just say, oh, I support education, and they do through their tax dollars, right. but, but, but being there and being present and asking, what more can I do? Because I know we all have to be in this together. And, you know, one of the key things to that is it's not asking people or parents or community to necessarily go up to the school and do this and that, if they could just take a child, their child, okay, and help them with school, that's tremendous input uh, into the school. Uh, it's not just the you know coming and doing things around the school to help things out the school, but it's what you do to take care of your own child. Yeah. It's been great. Uh, I've learned a lot. It's, uh, thank you so much for coming from, to Baton Rouge down here to, to visit with us. And like I said, you're a North Louisiana boy, so we expect you back. Uh, we don't want South Louisiana to take you. I, I always <laughs> appreciate the opportunity to come home. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks so much for your input in this chat. We will have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.